how uh, G do I need to be? Not at all. Not at general. all. Yeah, not at all. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, I can, I, I'm a sailor. I'll, I'll, I'll say it all and you'll be like, okay. <laughs> you can use all, you can use all your words. <laughs> Welcome to How They Did It with me, Darby Worley. This is a show where I sit down with extraordinary people and talk about this thing called life and how to do it better. Joining me today on the show is Curtis Cook, who is an actor extraordinaire. You've probably seen him on screen. Even if you don't uh, know that name right off the top of your head, you probably know his face. And he's got lots of awesome things to say about how to build a career in this very challenging, competitive industry. Let's get right to it. Um, so joining me now is Curtis Cook. Curtis Cook, I would say that you are now certifiably a that guy um, as an actor, <laughs> you know, like, and I, and, and that's a high compliment for me. That's always like the kind of career that I think is the best for actors to be like working enough that people are like, Hey, I know that guy. Um, but not, right. not so famous that you're getting, you know, assaulted and stalkers and, <laughs> And that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So welcome, um, welcome to the show. So Curtis, um, we I interviewed you for my other my old podcast, Everything Acting. I you were one of our early interviews, I think. So maybe like eight years ago. When when was that? Do you remember? Wow, I do not remember the date. Yeah. Um, but it was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. I remember in that apartment in New York, Manhattan. Yeah, 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 in the the West Village. So, well, that that tells us that it was at least at least uh, eight years ago because that was an apartment I shared with my former boyfriend, and we've been. Broke oh, okay. for a while. So anyway, um, welcome to How They Did It. This is a show where I sit down with extraordinary people and talk about life and how to do it better. So I kind of like to start at the beginning. Did you always know that you wanted to be an actor when you when you were a little kid? Is that what you wanted to be? Um, not really, Darby. I mean, because when I was a child, I didn't really realize that it was a career that you could have. Um, I always, I always did, uh, acting and, and dance and all of that in elementary and school, uh, in high school and all of that. But, but it wasn't until I, I would say around, um, my high school years that I realized I was told basically that this could be a career for you. And, um, that's when I, uh, started taking it a little more serious, seriously than, uh, than I had, I, I was going to go into the Navy and then after I got out of the Navy, I was going to come back to Dayton, Ohio, where I'm from. And I was going to work with, um, um, try to get a job at uh, the Montgomery County Engineers, driving a truck or filling whole potholes on the street because they make good money and you can have a good salary and you can get a really nice wife and move to the suburbs and live a decent life. That was my whole plan. And that was fine with me. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, um, but I had started to do uh, regional theater in Dayton. Um, I guess it's more like a community theater in Dayton. And, uh, and this wonderful woman who started this program while I was in high school called the Muse Machine, Suchi Pisani, uh, asked me, what was I going to do after high school? I was graduating. And she was like, I told her I was going to go, uh, to the Navy. And she was like, Oh no, darling, you have too much talent for that. Mm. And thus began an amazing journey for me. I mean, when I say amazing, it has been, uh, storybook shit. It's been stuff that I, if, every time I say this to somebody, I, I have to pinch myself. It's like that really, really happened. And, um, 
Yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was amazing. She, uh, I'll tell you I, as quickly as I can. I was with this program called the Music Machine, and what the Music Machine did was it took uh, uh, high school students um, and they put on a big show at the end of the year, and it would be a musical primarily, and um, they would audition. It would roughly be about uh, four. 1,500 to 2,000 children from all across the city, and they were auditioning like for, you know, Guys and Dolls, West Side Story, you know, the staple mm-hmm. kind of uh, musicals. And, um, and in two of the years, I did my junior year and my senior year. First year, I did Fit Lone and Roof. I played Fietka. I was a black Russian. I love it. Yes, I was. <laughs> and then my next year, I, uh, I got the lead in a carousel. I played Billy Bigelow. Um, so, you know, that you would never see a black guy do those roles, uh, really to this day. Uh, and there I was in high school thinking that it was normal. And, uh, so when I was leaving, she asked me, I was in my senior year and I couldn't do the program next year, obviously. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I was going to the Navy. And she said, no, darling, you're not going to the Navy. She brought in this teacher, this principal who, uh, taught this school, has a school still to this day in London. Um, and what he did every year, he came to New York, Chicago and LA and they would audition for their program in London. Mm. And because he was going to be in Chicago, which was close to Dayton, she was really good friends with him. He came to Dayton and he auditioned me by myself for his school. I sang, I danced and I did a monologue for him. He really enjoyed it. Uh, I left, I went back home, I thought everything was fine, I get a call back from them saying, hey, we want to meet with you and your parents, and we go back and we sit down and we're like, hi, how are you, what's going on? And she's like, uh, so we want to offer your son a position at our school. Wow. It was, yeah, we were ecstatic. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So now, not only was I not going, maybe not going into the Navy, but now I was going to college, something else that I hadn't readily thought about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't like on my major radar, go to college and you do this. I, it, it, it just wasn't. Um, and so we left. Now I'm the oldest of five children. My parents, my father, Clifton Cook, and my mother, Alice Cook, were, um, we were middle income, um, family. Uh, my father worked for the county. He drove a truck. My mother was a bus driver. She drove for, um, elementary school as well as, um, uh, the later in life, she moved into the city buses, like, you know, like the MTA in New York city. She drove the city buses. So, and I was the oldest, um, so when we got home, my parents were very upset and they were like, Hey, Curtis, listen, that sounds like a wonderful idea. And it sounds like a wonderful opportunity, but we just don't have the money for that. Mm-hmm. We can't, we don't, we, we, we don't have it. And so of course I was heart fucking broken. I was uh-huh. like, Oh my God, this is not going to happen. So I had to go back to Ms. Bassani and I said, Hey, Ms. Bassani, thank you guys so much for this opportunity. But unfortunately, la, 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 I'm not going to be able to do it. And she said, no, darling, don't, no, 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 don't give me a second. Don't, don't just say no to this. This is a wonderful opportunity. Give me, give me a moment. Long story longer. What ended up happening is that they gave me a full scholarship to this school in London. And that is where I got to hone my craft. Now, when I say this was amazing, Darby, this was like the number, you know, there's a rating system. And at the time it was above RADA. Um, and it's still very highly touted to this day. Um, like in our circles at the time, um, 
when we read classical works, they would be like Vanessa Redgrave would come in and read with us. And um, Dame Judy Dench at the time, who wasn't a dame, would be Judy Dench. And of course, my dumb, my dumb ass from Dayton, Ohio. And I just like, who are these old English people sitting here talking about stuff? I don't care about this. Let's get to the singing and the dancing. What, what is this? Um, of course, I didn't realize until retrospect, you know, how how much of an education I received from these people. Now, yeah. now we're going back years. This is in the 80s, you know, um, the late 80s when all of this was going on. So that's, and that was my journey into knowing that this could be a career for me. So as a child, I didn't know that I was going to be an actor. I, I enjoyed it. I did it all the time. I sang and I danced just because, you know, even like I joined DCDC in my seventh grade when I was in the seventh grade, just because I wanted to be around the girls and I just wanted to dance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I, it wasn't like I was setting it up, but it's like one of those things that happens to me so much. And I'm so grateful for it. It was the universe. I'm so, what they, what's that saying? It's that like guys take care of uh, babies and fools or something like that. <laughs> I think drunkards, I, and, I think, it, a- I think it's drunkards and fools, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a baby drunk. I'm a drunk baby fool. That's what I am. And, uh, <laughs> And God is like, come here. Where are you going? No, 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 no. Get back over here. Get over here. And sometimes I got to get punched in the stomach a couple times before I still, I still don't listen sometimes. But um, so, so, so no, I did not always know. But yes. once I, uh, I started to do it um, seriously, uh, I have not done anything else. Basically, did and you ever have I to? Did it. you ever have to have like a survival job, or were you able to make a living like right out of the gate? I I have to say, um, I, I've had one survival job. I had one temp job that turned into a permanent job for a while, and that was because I was, uh, <laughs> I, had, uh, I had met a woman, and we had become pregnant. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, okay, and I was young. I was a baby. I was, what, 20, in my 20s. And, um... And I was like, okay, I, I have to have a real job. And I was temping, you know what I mean? You yeah. know, I, I, was, I was temping. Then I found this position at this really um, big place, uh, the advertising agency. And, um, and I was like, and the person, I was a receptionist, basically. And the, and the receptionist had left. And the woman was like, well, this position is open if you want it. So I took it. Now, that lasted only roughly about a year at the most. Because what had happened was, while I was receptionist, I was still auditioning for stuff. <laughs> and I would try to figure out a way to get a job that would equal this with benefits and stuff. And, of course, that didn't exist at the time. So I ended up getting a, a national tour of Ain't Misbehaving. And I just left that, that job. And since then, I've never, I've never knock on wood, had to have a, a, another survival job after that. That's amazing. How, how did your family feel? I mean, you know, the, the college offer aside, when you told them that you wanted to be an actor, were they supportive of that? Or what, what was that like for you when you were, you know, making that decision? Right. Uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't like they were opposed to it or my sister also sings, and so we used to sing a lot. Um, like, we would do, like, little talent shows here and there or whatever. So they would always be very supportive of those things, like, coming out to them. I don't think they ever thought or even knew either that this would be something that I would do as a career. Um, even once I left for school, 
it never really ever felt like um uh like they were against it. They were always supportive, especially my mom. Uh they were always supportive, always, you know, what what's going on, how's it going? Oh, you know, my first year of college when I was like, This is crazy, I can't even speak. They don't understand me when I'm talking, I gotta get out of here. She'd be like, Oh, stay in there, baby, it's gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right, you're gonna make it. It's gonna work <laughs> out for you. Um but I uh so they were always supportive. Um, so I didn't have any major clash. It was just the fact that I was the oldest and they didn't have a lot of money at the time to, to, uh, to assist in a lot of ways. So any like, uh, like my housing in London, um, that wasn't taken care of by the uh, scholarship. We, we would have to take out a loan for that. Um, so I have to say, um, that Alice and Clifton Cook, they were very, very, very supportive of, uh, of me. And I appreciate that to this day. I mean, it's still, they're still up there kicking. Are they, are they still um, around, and, uh, your parents? Yeah, 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 yeah they're, they're still around. That mom and dad, you know, I'm, I'm very, very, very fortunate and, and grateful for them, too. They must be very proud very, of you. Very, yeah, I hope okay, so. Okay, let's, so. let's talk about some of kind of just the day-to-day um, tasks in an actor's life. How do you, so I always, you know, when people ask about what my career is like, I'm like, well, the job is auditioning. I mean, that's the job is going yeah. into auditioning over and over and over. And so n- civilians have a hard time understanding that. How do you prepare for an audition? What's, what's kind of your, um, so let's talk about how you prepare for an audition. And also, do you have any post audition rituals? I, for example, I love throwing away the sides. It's like, okay, on to the next thing. I'm going to not think about that. It's over. I'm done. Do you have any, like, how do you prep and what do you do afterwards? Um, well, of course, the prepping is different depending on what the, uh, what the show is. And of course, right now we're in the heat of, uh, of pilot seasons, which is, which is really great because, uh, uh, you know, you get the script and there's not as much pressure to kind of fit in a, a slot, like with a guest star part on the show, you know, sometimes on those, those shows like, you know, like the law and order, which we don't have as many of anymore, but I guess the NCIS would be kind of similar to that where, you know, you're the grieving dad or you're the, 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 the suspect for this crime. So there's not a lot of room to really flex your muscles as to showing who and what you are and how, and how you would bring this to life in a different way. It's kind of like, you know what, we need to see that you are grieving and we need to have that be in the, 40, 50 seconds, so we have to move on because yeah. we don't have time for you to develop it and bring it to life. So, but during pilot season, of course, all of those things are not set up yet. So you're able to come in there with fully realized and um, um, interesting uh, parts of yourself that um, you may not be able to show during the regular episodic season. So in preparation for those, it's, uh, you know, when the sides come in, I'm able to just read them down. And then I don't really focus so much on the, um, on the breakdown anymore like I used to. I used to really look at the breakdown and try to dissect what they were trying to say and all of that thing. But what that used to do to me used to constrict me because if something was off that I felt like really wasn't a part of who and what I was, I would let that bother me all the way up to the, to the appointment and after the appointment. If it was like I read the, the age and it said, you know, 10 years younger than me or 10 years older than me, for whatever reason, I couldn't get that out of my head. Or I would try to play 10 years younger than me or 10 years older than me instead of just staying into who and what I am. Mm-hmm. So now what I do, I, I don't really look at the age anymore. I don't really look at the race anymore. I just kind of look at keynotes about what they're saying. And then, of course, once you read the script, you find out more information about that individual. And then 
I began to read the sides. And I'm one of those persons that, um, one of those people that I read the sides over and over and over again, not for memorization purposes per se, but just because every time I read it over and over again, something else jumps out at me. And once I, and because of that, I think I, I am memorizing it. And so then after I lay the sides down, this other life begins to happen. I'm able to, um, I'm able to live in the subtext of what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that and, 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 um, and, and why I want to say whatever those words were. You know, when you drop the side and you begin to do the um, improvisational work of it, it's like, you know what, I'm just going to make up this whole scene right now. What, what would I say right now? And, and the beauty of pilot season, once again, is that they don't actually know what they're looking for, really, for this character or this role or whatever, especially if it's like the one I went in for the other day, like when it's the lead of the show. It's like bring, they need you to bring all of you. So being able to just throw down these sides and just live and just be who and what you are and or who and what you've always wanted to be, that's the beauty of this thing of acting and, and um, the appointments and, and, and the television shows and, uh, and the movies and the stage work. I think that's the, that's the beauty of all of it. So, um, so that, uh, that's part of my preparation is just the, the continuous reading of the sides over and over again and um, trying to bring uh, the subtextual life through, through the piece more so than the words on the page because the words on the page are just or I feel like they're guidelines to what the person is feeling as opposed to not, it depends on if you, who, who wrote it as well, because sometimes those words are so succinct and you, there's no way of getting around that direct uh, connection to what the, that character said because of those words. But unfortunately that's not always the case. Um, as far as rituals uh, afterwards, um, I know that I need to, like, I'll call my wife on the way home just to talk about it, mm. uh, talk about what just happened, what I felt, and, um, and I don't know if that's so much of a ritual, um, and sometimes I feel that uh, uh, if I say what the ritual is, then I have to get rid of that ritual <laughs> because I've talked about it. And then, so now I even feel like because you've asked me what the ritual is, I have to say what a ritual is <laughs> because I need to get rid of it because it doesn't need to exist anymore. <laughs> um, so I think that um, I, I do throw the sides away, but I don't do that all the time. So I can't really say that that's a practice, but I know that I do talk about what just happened in the room. And sometimes what I used to do, I haven't done this in a while, but when I, on my drive home, I used to redo the scene in the car on the way home. Uh, I would. Oh, that sounds like torture to me. That sounds like torture. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I have no idea. My ass would be like, "Yeah, and but it won't." And then, um, and so, uh, but after I do that, especially after I talk, and I have a good friend as well, you know, really good actor friend. We we talk to each other a lot about about our appointments and what happened and what the room felt like. You know all those little nuances that don't mean shit really. Yeah. But you know in your mind you knew that he picked up his water as soon as I said that word, so I know <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to me. <laughs> but he, it was just that he was thirsty. He just yeah. wanted a drink, bro. Leave uh, alone, relax. We actors just think everything is all about us all the time. <laughs> all the time. It's true. So I had a really I had a really bad audition last week and I I told my husband afterwards I was like 
you know, it's, I haven't had that feeling in a long time. And it's not because I go in and nail every audition every time, but I think it's partially that I'm just kind of delusional. And I always think that, you know, I, I'm always shocked when I don't book everything that I go in for, but I had, a, I, I had an undeniably bad audition and it made me like sick to my stomach for a good two days afterwards. I, I, like when you, if, and when you have a bad audition, how do you, what, what's your, what's the mental jujitsu that you do to get over it? Oh, well, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry that you had a bad audition. The other <laughs> Thank <day>. you. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. <laughs> um, and of course I do have some bad stinking auditions as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. That's, that's, you know, I, first of all, I want to say that, um, I don't get over it. Mm. I, I, I just don't. Um, I feel like it's like a battle scar. I feel like mm. it's something that I wear proudly. Um, and it makes me fight. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but it makes me work harder um, to, not, uh, to not repeat if it was just a mistake or whatever, whatever that thing was, to try not to repeat that, that exact same um, stumble again. Um, so I'll be damned if I'm going to have a stinking audition the same way I did the last time. Mm-hmm. And as I say this to you right now, I'm going to go into this room on Monday for my <laughs> stinking audition, and I'm calling you, Darby. And I'm going to be like, God damn it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I will tell you about one audition. Oh, let me say this, too. There are, there are two rooms in the city that I have some kind of bad uh, you with, some bad energy flow in there. And, and it's not really because the people in there, they're cool. In both rooms, the people are cool. And I have to say, when I think about it, I've booked in both of those rooms before, pretty um, nice guest starring roles that sometimes even people still talk about to this day, mm-hmm. of those roles that I did from those offices. But consistently... There will be some, and, it, and I know like a good 60% of that is some kind of mental block that I have in my head. But I, I really want to say the other 40 is, 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 is an energy thing that's, that's there. And, and I'm coming to terms with, okay, I have to go to so-and-so's office. So here we go. Let's mm. see what's going to happen today and try to make a joke of it to myself. You know what I mean? And not let it beat me up so much. But I'll tell you this one audition I had. It was in, actually, it was in L.A., and um, I was out there during this pilot season, and you know, I have a, I have a large family as well. Um, I have five children. Oh, okay. And uh, so, for me to up and leave and go to LA for you know whatever amount of times to for for a season, for pilot season, not not directly for work, but for pilot season, it's not an easy task. It's not just oh, I, you know, I'm gonna go to LA. I'll be back next week. See y'all. No, it's a it's a big machine that happened that has to happen here. So anyway. So it was, this was a few years back, and um, I go into this uh, room, and, I, you know, uh, the guy actually who's auditioning me is from New York, who I know from New York. And actually, I saw him at the Grove. I was walking at the Grove one day, and, and then I'm just, you know, picking up a little, uh, I don't know if you know the Grove. Grove is like a big, uh, um, like, farmer's marketplace out in L.A., and it has, like, restaurants in there and the movie theater in there. Sometimes it's on TMZ, like you'll see. Um, TMZ cameras out there and people are coming out of the movie theater at the Grove. It's, it's one of those places to be, to try to be seen. You know what I mean? If you need to be seen, you try to go there. Yeah. So my little black ass was trying to be seen. I was trying to be seen, Darby. That's the problem. I was trying to be seen and I need to be working at home. But anyway, there I was. 
And I happened to cross uh, this this casting director, guy from New York. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey. I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, oh, good. You're out here now? No, I'm out here for the season. You know, all of that happens really yeah. quickly. And so... Um, so he says, oh, I'm casting so-and-so. I said, yeah, you know, of course, we read all the stuff, so we know who's casting, what, and when it's going on. And he's like, I said, yeah, I read that. He said, you know what, I'm going to try to get you in for that. I'm like, oh, man, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, think it was total BS. But it ended up not being. Get a call from the agent. Hey, you got an appointment for such and such and such and such. So I get the side. It's, you know, a couple of pages, maybe four or five pages aside, kind of a monologue thing. I don't know how you feel about when you get, like, a monologue. For me, it's kind of a more of a pressure up. You really yeah. kind of not real. You you have to kind of know it a little better because you're by yourself. Once you start, ain't nobody gonna throw you a line to help your ass remember what to say next. You have to yeah. know, so you have to kind of memorize it just a little tighter. So I'm like, okay, it was all cool. But anyway, so I learn and I do my work. I get there, but for whatever reason, Darby, in the, in the room, it wasn't a producer session or anything. It was just he and I and the camera. It wasn't even a reader. It was just he and I and the camera. We go through the first pass. It was shaky. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. But it, you know, it it was like one of those things. Okay, that's cool. We've got that out the way. Let's let's give it another go. Yeah. And when I tell you, I couldn't put three. It was almost like I was having a stroke. God forbid. I couldn't put three words together. I I was stopping, and then of course, then the sweat starts to happen, <sighs> and, then, and then the nerves start to kick in, and I'm like, and I can I can almost step out of my body and look at myself like. What are you doing? <laughs> what, 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 what? Are you are you okay? Come on, just read it then. Just stop yeah. trying to memorize it and just just read it. So and he's so he so his first couple of times he's oh no it's all right it's okay let's try it again. But of course by the third time he's like well, okay um, his mood changes and he's like I got <sighs> people out there waiting and I can't you know what I mean he's he's being very he, he turns from a Friend, casting director to a casting director who uh. you have to move on. And I felt that as well. And I butcher this appointment to no end. To the point where I just have to stop. I can't look him in the eye. Oh. I grab my paper. I ball it up. I walk out of the room. And I go over to it. I leave out of the place. My heart is beating. My, I get into that car, Darby. And I, and I, I fucking beat that steering wheel. I yelled. I cried. My big ass. I mean, then I'm crying. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You have family at home. You are out here. You're doing, you say you want to do this. And I'm talking about, I probably ranted in that car for like 45 minutes. And I'm talking, I'm like losing my voice yelling at myself. Aww. And I'm like, ah, it was, it was the most. I don't think I've ever had another call like that since. But um, so they they happen. And I've been back into this guy's room in New York. Subsequently, he is one of the ones that I spoke about that I have like the blockage in my mind. Oh, yeah. Um, But he continues to call me back in and I book sometimes. But it, 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 it happens, you know, and. I mean, that experience happens, like, I have this recurring nightmare where I'm in the booth, and I have my, you know, my paper in front of me, and I can't read. Like, I, I, or, or I'll have, like, a big piece of gum in my mouth, and I, and I keep trying to take the gum out, because I can't talk. And I try to take the gum out, and then it just it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That sounds like that was, like, a, a, a real-life <laughs> experience of my, of my recurring nightmare. Of nightmare. <laughs> 
So I lived your damn nightmare in real life. Thank you, Garvey. Thank you. And yet somehow you are still working and still doing your thing. I'm, I'm, I want to go back to your the woman who cast you in non-traditional race roles. Like that was... Um, some future forward stuff that she did back then. Like you see that happening now, you know, like, like Hamilton, of course, is yeah. the most obvious example of that. But was she black or was she a white lady? Or any no, other? um, Susie Bassani was, you talking about back in high school? Yeah. Right? When, you, when, yeah, yeah, yeah when no. she put you in Guys and Dolls and. Right. Well, now Susie Bassani was like the artistic director of the whole program. Yeah. So I can't exactly remember who directed those productions, but of course she's in charge. But, you know, Susie Bassani is um, a beautiful Italian woman um, uh, who helped me uh, at the time, uh, who was in charge of that program. And, and, and to be totally honest, there was some controversy about it. I mean, I'm from the Midwest, and it's not like it's, um, hmm, how do I say, it is what it is. And at that time, when I was Billy Bigelow, Julie Jordan was white. Okay. And, and, we were, and we're high school students, you know what I mean? We're 17, 18 years old, some of us maybe. And um, there is that little kiss that they yeah. have, you know, when Julie comes together. And it, it, was, it, was, it was not, so what ended up happening, Darby, was that um, they had two they, this is the first time they did this. They split up the cast, and they had two casts. What? Of, um, yes. So what, what ended up happening, and then I had some people who fought. So, what, what, so we had school shows that we would do, and we had, like, the big shows that we would do at night for the parents and the people of the town and all of that that would come. So, of course, the other Julie Jordan and the other Billy Bigelow were traditional cast. Mm-hmm. And then there was us. Now, my Julie Jordan, she was a beautiful woman. I, I can't remember her name right now. Um, but I believe that she was, all, she was either Italian or Jewish. I think she was Jewish. But I'm not, I'm not, I can't say for sure. Um, but she was a, a, a dark-colored woman. She had, like, very dark eyes, very dark um, eyebrows, like, big eyebrows. And, like, a, you remember, um, you're old enough, uh, Janice DeWitt, um, Janet from um, oh, of course. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Remember she used to wear that little bob cut, mm-hmm. that, that little, she kind of had her hair like that, but her hair was black, like really black and thick. It is, I, just, I used to love um, Three's Company and, and Janet. So I, every time I used to see her, I'd be like, oh, you're great. You look so nice. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, so, so, so it was, I guess that was uh, forward thinking, but my, I didn't really pay attention to it that much because, uh, uh I was just singing and dancing, you know what I mean? I was doing what I, I wasn't very political at the time. Um, and I was getting a lot of opportunities to do a lot of stuff. And so I wasn't, it, it hadn't hit me until after I left. And that happens to me a lot sometimes. It, certain things don't, um, I don't realize them until the day after sometimes how important or how major that thing was because I'm fortunate enough once again, because of the universe and God taking care of those drunken baby fools. <laughs> but, um, but so was, the, it, was it a rude awakening was, for you when you started working? That um, Was it that, that you perhaps wouldn't be cast like that? Would, what, talk, talk about that. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely. I mean, I remember once I, um, so once I left uh, college, I immediately got a job on a cruise ship. Uh-huh. And um, and I was singing and dancing on this cruise ship, um, the Eastern and the Western Caribbean. And I remember meeting this one woman one time when I was on the ship. And uh, and uh, there was two of us. It was a small show. It was two guys, me, oh, 
and, and a white guy, and um, and I was telling her that you know what, once once I get off the ship, I'm gonna move to New York, and I'm gonna you know go and do musicals, whatever. She's like, well, don't be upset because I'm sure he's going to start working a lot more than you do. And I had no idea what she was talking about mm. because I'm thinking, what are you? You don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. I'm blah 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 blah. And of course, when I get to the city, and you know, at that time we used to have this that paper called backstage. I don't know if it still exists or not. It sort of, but, it's, um, it does still sort of exist. But yep. Yeah, remember you used to go. I think it was like every Wednesday or something like that. You would go Wednesday or Thursday night and get it, and then you would look for the auditions the next mm-hmm. day, and you would circle the ones you want to do. It was like this whole big thing. But every time I would go and get it. It would always be Seven Brides or Seven Brothers they're doing. Um, uh, What's That Story, maybe. Um, uh, the King and I. Well, maybe not so much The King and I, but, you know, all like the traditional musicals. Yeah. And th- there would be no major roles for me because I wasn't a dancer. It wasn't like I could dance. I mean, I was a singer at the time who could move, an actor-singer who could move, you know? Yep. Um, so then I started to realize, oh, okay. And then there would be that one, Ain't Miss Maven. <laughs> I'm going to do Ain't Miss Maven. We're doing it over here. I'd be like, all right, I guess I'm going to go audition for the Ain't because that's, that was all that was there at the time. Yeah. Fortunately enough, that was, it was there. But, so, yeah, it was a, a, a major awakening for me uh, coming in the city. Uh, that was one of the reasons in later years um, that I began to start the theater company. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, um. This we we have to have more opportunities and uh, and um, and it did it, it 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 opened a lot of doors for a lot of us at the time. So you started your own theater company in response to yeah, the lack was, of opportunity that you that you were being given. Yeah, that was in the nineties when we had that, in like maybe I think it was like the late nineties uh, around ninety nine. Yeah. Until maybe 2002, 2003, we did that, yeah. Yeah. What I hear you saying is that you, what I admire, one of the things I admire about you is that you're not a person who just waits around for someone else to tell you yes. What I hear you saying is that you're making your own yes um, and that you are not content to be kept out of something by some, you know, mythical, imaginary um, person who's holding the purse strings or wherever, you get off your ass and you do your own thing. So let's talk about the counselor. Or is it the counselor or counselor? Counselor. Just counselor. Counselor. Mm-hmm. Counselor. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Um, tell the people what what's, what's the elevator pitch for the series. So counselor is... Um, uh, a new short form web, web series that's um, on YouTube right now, and uh, it's it, it uh, focuses on um, Dr. Vinan Sun, who's a psychiatrist, and on his side gig, he he um, takes in patients who are um, uh, dealing with mental issues, who are either apported by um, uh, by the police or by um, facilities to come into his office or um, within the next season we begin to find out he finds other um, um, poor people who just need help but don't know how to go about asking for it. Um, and in this particular season, he has this man who who has been a court, um, um, court appointed 
to him because uh, if he doesn't, he gets more time in jail. And so these two begin to butt heads because of um, he doesn't want to be there, but he has to be there. And you can imagine how that would make any young man feel who uh, doesn't feel like it. I mean, the first episode itself is called Ain't Shit Wrong With Me. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of sit there and you see these two guys kind of um, uh, begin to talk. Uh, and, and you begin to realize that the more they talk, the more they have in common than not. And that journey within the eight episodes is, uh, is, uh, is amazing. I think, uh, it was written and, um, uh, directed by Harold Jackson and, um, um, co-executive produced with myself and also stars a young man named Chad, Eric Smith. And, um, and the word is out and it's, uh, it's, it's very well done and it's, uh, very hard hitting. And, uh, and uh, it brings up a lot of conversation, I think. Okay. So, so you're um, talk a little bit about the like the the power that you feel from creating your own work, as opposed to waiting for like going in on an audition where you're one of the last people hired. Like, how has that affected maybe even the rest of your life outside of your career? It, you know, it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a love hate relationship because although I get to say what I feel like I want to say at that and whenever you know I begin to write something or produce something or or um you know something that of my own making the the work that comes with um, getting people to just acknowledge it sometimes can be disheartening because uh, it, it's some it's, I mean wow. I thought it was hard when you had a play up, when you had to try to get people to come out of their house, um, come down the street uh, on a rainy day or not so rainy day, come in and pay for a bad, back then it was like a $12 ticket, you know, to, in a little small black box, come see our show, please come see our show. You think that was hard. It's, it's almost harder now to have people click on to a YouTube uh, video that's only eight minutes long to watch. So, so sometimes I find this battle of why won't anybody just click and watch? This is really good. This is interesting. I mean, at least just watch. So, so in that aspect, um, sometimes it, 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 um, it, it forces me to, um, uh, to, to, to be upset about it. But at the end, I feel that I am able to say, things that I know no one else is saying this way because I think differently. I just, uh, I mean, everyone does. I mean, you know, that goes without saying we are all individuals, but I, I am not. And if I'm going to do it myself and put it up myself, I'm not going to give the same okie doke that we see all the time on television and film because it becomes, you know, that's commercial enough that will sell that people are going to watch this, you know, this is what they want. No, it's like, this work that you're going to see is going to have some kind of in-depth meaning. And so that empowers me to know, to, to, it gives me the courage to when I go into different rooms that I am good enough. I'm, I'm, I can handle whatever the material you have because the work that I've given myself is three times more challenging than the work that, that I have to deliver for you now. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, I've seen it pay off. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to work on some really impressive projects, you know, uh, outside of my own. So it, 
that there is a power in just being expressive of, you know, of, of being an, an artist, you know, like all of us are. And cause the, what, what is art? Art is like the participation in, in the world of ideas. So, you know, just by walking down the street and seeing the, 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 the man uh, offer the woman the, the seat, you know, in the car first, you know, and yeah. opening the door for her and letting her sit down and, and what that means and why that happens and, and then taking a twist or a turn on that. It, I mean, that sounds benign, but it's, it's all of that. I get to put into the work and talk about it in a way that you, you wouldn't think of necessarily off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. And that is empowering. Yeah. Well, awesome. I have one last question. I, the two questions that I ask everybody on this show is, is the first one I asked you about, um, did you always know what you wanted to be? And then the last question that I always ask everybody is, how do you define success? What does that word mean uh, to you? How do you know when you're there? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's a big question, darling. Success. Yeah, I'm scared that if that if uh, if I'm able to define it, it all ends. Everything ends. Um, it's like a, a like a utopia, like a. Um, but I do know I try. I my goal a lot of the time is trying to find what is enough. Mm. What is enough for you, Curtis? What 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 do you honestly think that you can have that allows you to sustain who and what you are? And, um, and I don't have the answer yet to that because, but I do know that if I allow it to, I will always feel like I'm running towards something or trying to grab something in front of me. And that doesn't have to be the case. I mean, I have a beautiful family. Um, um, very healthy, uh, beautiful wife, a loving wife. And for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm better than a lot, which what, what, what does that mean? I'm better than a lot. That doesn't justify anything, but I'm, I am living my dream. I get to pick up pieces of paper, read them, and do it on television or do it in a movie, something I've always wanted to do from the time I was in high school. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I get paid for it, handsomely for it. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> success. But, you know, but then those are those days when I'm like, oh, my God, when am I going to get my own show? When am I going to be able to, why did he get that show and I didn't get that show? I, I, they loved me. We all sat around the table and they was like, yes, we, we're going to do this. And then it didn't go. Oh, that pilot, I just booked the pilot. Great. Yes. Oh, then not going any further. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so there's a part, so, so it's a battle about what is success. I mean, I could be very, you know, hokey and, you know, it's, you know, this, this, and this, but to be totally honest, I'm something inside of me is making me not want to give a definition because I might close something off. I might, you know, uh, block something, but, but I know that happiness is a, is a part of it. I know that, um, the love that, that, that unconditional, that is a part of it. It's in there with it. It needs to be there. And I know that pain, 
pain is in there is also because it needs to be inside of that mix. But I know that's not all of it. Yeah, that's a big question, Bobby. Yes, Bobby. <laughs> got me all thinking at the end of the interview. I'm going to be sitting at home on my couch. What is success? All right. Well, if you come up with that answer, you feel free to record it and send it my way and we'll put it on the, the tail end of the interview. So tell me, tell the people where they can find you online. Where can they follow your your brilliance and your humor and your work? Where can they find you? Uh, you're, so, you're so kind. Thank you. Um, Curtis Cook. Uh, Two S's. C-U-R-T-I-S-S-C-O-O-K. And then Curtis Cook again on Twitter. And then Curtis Cook on Instagram. Hey, <laughs> got it once, you got it three times. And how do they find the count? How do they find Counselor? You can go to the Facebook page. It also has a Facebook page, Counselor, C O U N S E L O R. And you can find it also on my page. It has its own page. Um, uh, right now, if you kind of type it into the YouTube, there's. I think there's another movie that's also called Counselor with bigger stars. So I think that pops up first. Well, I'll put I'll put links to all of I'll put links to all of this stuff in the show notes for this episode. I've only seen the first episode, but man, you've created a couple of really interesting guys, and I am Thank looking. You. I feel like your characters like there's something secret about him that I'm looking forward to finding out. I feel like there's, yes, there's a rough past somewhere in there that I've, I'm I'm excited to explore. So I think you've done some something really interesting there, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. Curtis, honey, thank you so much for coming back on. I'm just thrilled to hear how happy you sound and your life is going well. Your work is going well. You're doing great. Thank you, Darby. Watch House of Cards. We started. Check me out. Oh, that's right. It's tonight, isn't it? It's on Netflix right yep. now, isn't it? Yep, yep. Thanks again, Darby. That's going to wrap things up for another edition of How They Did It. Don't forget, you can support the show by subscribing in iTunes, by sharing our interviews on social media, by giving us a good review in iTunes. All of those things really help the show, and we appreciate it. And just tell your friends, right? Just let them know about the show. Um, How They Did It is produced in partnership with Pregame Magazine. Our music is provided by Girls Like Bass. You can hear more from them at girlslikebass.com. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.